1: to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill.
0: And I'm Nico Bakulich.
1: And let's get biblical. Okay. But before we do so, mm-hmm. we got to lay down a couple ground rules. Number one, I'm the ex-Christian. Nico is the non-believing sort of Jew.
0: And this is not a Bible study podcast. Also. Also. I'm reading the New Revised Standard version of the Bible, and Lauren is reading the New International version of the Bible.
1: Good job stepping on my line the way I stepped on yours. (laughs) I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, And uh, there's not that much violence and sex in this one, is there?
0: No, but just as a general warning, the Bible is a dangerous place. Yeah,
1: so, you know, listen with caution. Yeah. With us today in the studio, we have a third person. She is a writer and podcaster. Uh. I know her from working together at the online literary magazine, Midnight Breakfast. You may know her from her podcast, Let's Not Panic, in which she and her husband are traveling through South America in a forerunner and chronicling what happens along the way. She is able to be in our studio today because she is temporarily home from South America to promote two books, her first children's book, also an octopus, as well as an anthology that she contributed to full of satirical, erotic fan fiction. So two great books that don't go great together. Uh, Maggie Takuda Hall, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad we could fit you into the schedule, or you could fit us into your schedule. Yeah, she's the one that's really- Before you go back to Columbia. (laughs) Whichever way it is, I'm just real (laughs) glad to be here.
0: There's plenty of Bible left, but I'm not sure how much, I mean, time she has here. (laughs) And that's not a threat. That's like- (laughs)
1: There being plenty of Bible left as a threat,
2: though. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm particularly excited to be here for what I think might be the shortest book you guys have read so far. It That's is true. So far, the Book of Joel, which is about exactly as much Bible as I'd like to read. Oh, good. Oh, good. So,
1: <laughs> on that note, we figured um, it was
0: kind rather yeah. than hand you, I don't know, numbers or something like that.
1: Yeah, or like the Book of Enoch. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what is your religious background? I'm
2: Jewish. Um, I became a bat mitzvah in 1997. I played in the Maccabee Games in 1999 on Team San Francisco for softball. Wow! Tell us
1: more about the Maccabee Games.
2: It's just what you'd imagine. Uh, So, like a bunch of Jewish kids, you're getting gorilla
1: soldiers. (laughs) You're Mm -hmm.
2: fighting against the Greeks, or it's uh, a bunch of Jewish kids in Detroit, and we were hosted by like the hockey team, like one of the hockey moms.
0: not the Red Wings. No. My, a oh my di- no. A different hockey team.
2: no. These are only Jewish athletes, so none of them went pro. Okay. Um and we um, went could to you one other... stop being so anti-Semitic on our podcast. Never. <laughs> <laughs> um We were all terrible. <laughs> uh like, we went to one of the host family's hockey games. Their son was playing it, and a kid got checked and just sat down on the ice and started crying. Mm-hmm. That's what the Maccabee games were like. Aww, It was very sweet. That's I like that. And it was really fun. That sounds great. Um, that sounds nice. And I was the only person who wasn't white who was there. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my relationship with Judaism is obviously... Sport-based. Sports-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you can tell it from listening to me, but I'm not white. Uh, I'm half Japanese, which isn't a very big deal, but it does mean that when I went through Hebrew school, which I did, um, and would do things like the Maccabee Games or go to a Jewish grandparents and grandkids camp which is another thing that I did. Uh, no one believed me or my sister were Jewish. Oh. Um, so we were raised really Jewish, um, but I don't have a super strong identity with the community. And I think it's mostly because I spent my entire life being like, no, actually, hmm. actually, really, I promise I'm Jewish. And people being like, but not really, though. Right? <laughs> right? Right. And, <laughs> um, hmm. So as an adult, I've kind of come back to it. And found more appreciation for it, uh, mostly in the idea of people of the book and the idea that you would reread something over and over and over again and constantly have new meaning and new things to talk about from it. And that as a practice is like very fascinating and very exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Well, then this is the right podcast for you. (laughs)
0: Well, we only read them once.
2: (laughs) Caveat being that I don't actually feel that way about the Torah. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: the Torah Um, Torah is long gone.
2: Is
1: a special part
0: of the bible
2: right um anyway so i love that as a practice but as it pertains to other other books
1: sure (laughs) sure so have you done have you done any Bible reading in the past only in
2: hotel rooms when i get like really drunk okay and then you have that feeling of like well it's here (laughs) i should take a look at it it always seems like way funnier Oh, then it ends up being because you're see. like, oh, I'll just open it to a random page. And then you're like, oh, no, this was a horrible choice. See,
1: like if you're raised Christian, then yeah. and you're no longer Christian, you're like, no, that that's staying in the drawer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. The, uh,
1: like you, you wouldn't think that it would be funny if maybe if you were drunk and you wanted like a good cry, you might take it out. <laughs> oh, brutal. Um, yeah. Do you remember like your bat mitzvah Torah reading? I do,
2: because um, I'm born in September. So mine was right around Rosh Hashanah okay. that year. Yes. Um, so mine was the very beginning. It was like in the beginning. Oh, like that wow. was my. So um, I'm kind of jealous of people who had more obscure Torah portions mm. because uh-huh. uh, they learned something they didn't already know. Whereas I was invited to examine like the one part of. That, that everyone, everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, could,
0: everybody could be like, what's this Bible all about? Let me crack it open. Line one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like my Torah portion took you right through where all lazy people get to. Sure. Mm. <laughs> like that was
1: it. I think we like got to the making of the oceans and they're like, you're done. So- <laughs> I just talked to somebody at your book launch party. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, whose Torah reading was like somewhere in the middle of numbers. And it was like, like directions on how to make a tabernacle or mm-hmm. something. Awesome. <laughs> See,
2: like my sister got one of the ones uh, in Deuteronomy that's like, perioding women are disgusting. Oh. <laughs> and like, I kind of wish I'd had one of those just so that that's I could have like been 13. the
1: possible <laughs> worst bot mitzvah thing you could mm-hmm. ever do. I oh mean, my she's God. a smart
2: cookie. She handled it.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> like, I think that there's something kind of um, hilarious and awesome about forcing someone in the most awkward stage of their life to address... Just the most ridiculous, outdated dogma yes. available Someone to them.
1: who has either just started their period recently or not started it at all. <laughs> like it's still just a wonderful mystery. And they're like, <laughs> wow, this looks bad. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs>
2: oh, I have to go stay in a tent.
1: <laughs> I'm unclean. <gone> clean.
2: <laughs> the tent uh, seems kind of cool, though. You know, it's really embarrassing. I, I said that.
0: It would be a, be a roof tent, right? Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> Mine is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she would be a, yeah. yeah. I I stay in a rooftop tent whether or not I'm perioding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to Joel, because we're all so excited to talk about Joel.
0: Joel, Joel, Joel. Those are the words on America's lips. (laughs) It's from C to signing C. Nobody can quit talking about this wonderful book of Joel.
1: This is the book that uh, when Nico was like, oh, like, what's the next one on the list? And I was like, Joel. And he's like, Joel, like, just the name Joel. (laughs) There's just like a guy (laughs) named Joel in the Bible. I'm like, yep. Uh, So here's my fast facts about Joel. They're quite fast. Okay. Basically, all you need to know is it's another one of the minor, the 12 minor prophets so-called because the books are shorter, not because the prophets are supposed to be less important. Mm -hmm. And nobody really knows when it was written for sure because it doesn't refer to any like historical events really concretely, but it does mention Greeks. Mm -hmm. So, as as a biblical scholar myself, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that it's post-exilic. Maggie, how much do you know about the Babylonian exile? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Nothing. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to summarize it for you real quick. Bring it. I summarize it pretty much every episode. Yeah. So old listeners, sorry, we're doing it again. New listeners, guess what? Here's the Babylonian exile. So there was the kingdom of Israel. It's split into two. There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom called Judah. Assyria took over the northern kingdom. That's the Assyrian exile. And they deported all the Jews, and those Jews were lost forever.
0: The ten lost tribes. Those are
1: the ten lost tribes. In the south, Babylon took over and deported the Jews. That's the Babylonian exile. But then Persia took over and repatriated the Jews. So the Babylonian exile lasted 66 years. And it's pretty much what, like, the whole Old Testament is about, like, After the Torah and then a couple books and then it's just like the rest of it is just about the Babylonian exile. Mm -hmm. The whole Bible is based on like this political event that happened that people still base their religion on for some reason. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with someone who I assume is from after they returned to Jerusalem slash Judah. But I could be wrong. Nobody knows for sure.
0: I saw I saw some some competing theories on that. It's, it's one of the most well-preserved books of the Bible. What does that, that mean? It's been edited only very, very, very lightly in okay. its history. Um, and people date it to a variety of times, including before any of the exiles, and may place it as early as 900 BC, making it one of the earliest minor prophet books. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: And just like the Greeks maybe were added in later? Or maybe they already were – maybe they just mentioned the Greeks.
0: Hey. Maybe a little bit of A, a little bit of column B, you concatenate them in the, with a function into column C. Okay. And then...
1: That all sounded correct.
0: That's how you do Excel, baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much already, you guys. <laughs> this is how biblical analysis is done. I'm glad yeah. we could teach Good. you. Good. Um, so do you know, we you read this on a Bible app, Maggie. I sure did. Let, me, you get know your, which... let me get
0: your review of, of the Bible app.
2: Well, comparing it now to the boys' Bible, which you guys have lent me for this particular podcast. Yeah, Maggie's now looking
1: at the Skateboard Scorpion Bible.
2: (laughs) The Skateboard Scorpion Bible, far superior, Uh really boils it down for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was using a website slash app called Bible Study Tools, which was very difficult to navigate. So Mm. I give it minus 10 locusts for (laughs) difficulty in navigation, but like,
0: Unfortunately, there are millions of locusts. Yeah. So that's still an excellent rating. Right. But, but like
2: plus a, gl- a glass of wine for a drunkard for like at least being free and available.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it it'll do. Like the many trick. drunkards are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this this boys' bible you guys have is mm-hmm. really just I I'm learning so much it about really my own it all masculinity. Down for it, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so um so let's I guess dive into chapter one of Joel. (laughs)
0: How much more time can we kill here? What do we want to talk about? Oh,
1: yeah. So Joel is it's three chapters long Mm -hmm. and the chapters are all like poetry. So they're even shorter. Mm -hmm. So it was it took about 15 minutes to read. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stretch that out into an hour long podcast approximately. (laughs) Aren't you excited? Don't say that. Aren't you excited?
0: Don't say that. (laughs)
2: This episode's going to be terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it took 15 minutes to read, but it's going to take a lifetime to process.
1: <laughs> so it's basically, um, it's very similar to a lot of the other apocalyptic poetry that we've read. Mm-hmm. But it does have one standout feature, which is that it's, it's focused on locusts. It's got a locust focus. And my Bible's scholarly notes go to great lengths to say over and over again that this plague of locusts is literal and it's not metaphorical. Mm -hmm. And he was just talking about like an actual locust problem that they were having with their crops. Mm -hmm. And that's all. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know why my Bible posits that because it seems pretty clear that it's maybe maybe literal, but definitely also metaphorical. Right. right?
0: My guess is that your Bible is trying to inject a little bit of historicity into the into the book that lacks um already in the text like trying to situate it you know and say but this like, is why? really happening i don't know because they your bible to likes give that it
1: credibility yeah
0: credibility exactly
1: but like they i mean my bible doesn't have any knowledge about actual historical local has or ever stopped anyone <laughs> certainly not stop this bible yeah.
0: but locust plagues were were a relatively common thing
1: right, right yeah no i mean it's it's perfectly plausible that this literally happened, but, like, it's clearly also metaphorical, right? Right. Well, okay, let's get into it. So, pretty standard apocalyptic poetry. We've got, you know, uh, the vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put on sackcloth, O priest, and mourn. Wail you who minister before the altar. Uh, that's all very similar to stuff that we've seen that's definitely not referring to locusts.
2: It's, are there so many apocalyptic poetry sections that sound like exactly someone getting really sad drunk and then sobering up and apologizing
1: for it? Yes, yes
0: that is the format of apocalyptic poetry.
1: That is that just I don't know every if time? we've if we've like quite articulated it that way, but that is the perfect way to articulate it. <laughs> yes. And that happens over and over and over and over. Yeah,
0: sometimes over 60 chapters, sometimes over 10, Yeah, in this case over 3.
1: But the locust stuff is kind of cool. It
0: is cool. There's a nice paragraph that says, what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Do you think they're talking about three different kinds of locusts?
1: According to my Bible, yes, Mm -hmm. and that is it. And they're just talking about different species of locusts or possibly locusts at different points in their life cycle.
0: You know what I read was that some locusts are kosher and some are not.
1: What? I thought they were all, oh, wait. What did we learn about them?
0: Well, there was a revision to the kosher laws later. Because
1: you're not supposed to eat things with four legs, like insects. Right. It said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not supposed to eat insects with four legs. Yeah. Yeah. But like locusts were allowed, or something. Locusts was allowed. are allowed, but only
0: certain types. Yeah. Okay. It's like red, green, and yellow locusts are the ones you can eat.
1: Well, what's left? Brown. Oh, fuck, fine, no. what do I know. What a locust. am a
0: locustologist like? over here.
1: I was hoping you were. Well, Why else did I have you on this podcast?
0: It's an excellent question, as always.
1: <laughs> this looks really different than the version I read. Oh, really? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, are- sometimes different translations are, like, substantially different. Yeah. Do you know,
0: what, oh, okay. do you know which translation you read?
2: The Bible Study Tools translation, the oft-heralded um, Salem Communications free app in the App Store version, <laughs> But uh, let, me, let me see it. Let me see if I can tell which version it is from There it goes. I especially like it because of all the ads in it. Mm. I
0: feel Nothing
2: like it's- Nothing better is, than
0: profiting from the Bible.
2: Yeah, like very- Patreon.com
0: slash Sunday School Dropout. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't exist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought this was the NIV. You
0: think it's the NIV? Yeah. yeah.
2: I did not read it carefully enough. Then <laughs> I was like, oh, this looks new.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, something just about the rivets in that book just- make it pop, you know?
2: I'm yep. really the like, boys, pretty the boys excited rivets. about the boy's Bible.
0: We got, we got to get you a girl's Bible at some point.
2: I bet that would be more upsetting. Like this is like, just uh-huh. kind of funny yes. and silly. Yes. Whereas if you read like the girl's Bible where they're like, this is where it tells you that you're dirty and wrong and that your own pleasure is This
0: a one is sin. all about like how how to grow up to be a biblical man as well. Is uh-huh. a concept that's espoused both in the essays at the front and in a lot of the columns. No,
1: I had I had the equivalent of this the teen study Bible. It was the Zondervan NIV Teen Study Bible. Um so it was like don't have sex.
0: And you were saying that idol worship was all about listening to pop music and
1: Oh yeah. <gasps> this is okay. That's magic. This is like in <laughs> church growing up We talked about idols all the time. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, don't worship idols, don't worship idols. And that was like conceived of as, you know, like pop music or secular stuff, like Mm -hmm. or even like doing well at school. That's like an idol. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely
0: an idol you should worship, though. No, because
1: that sounds terrible. Why would you want? (laughs) (laughs) Because like God has come first before everything.
0: But if you worship that idol, it will reward you. Much more than God will.
1: No, no, no. Because when you die, you go to heaven. That's oh, the ultimate okay. reward. <laughs> I forgot about that. Nothing. Fuck nothing, your grave. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, like that's that's the philosophy about it. Huh. Um, and so we talked about idols a lot. And what I didn't realize, now that I do realize from reading this much of the Bible so far, is that they literally fucking meant idols. They meant actual yeah. statues of Sumerian gods. They did not mean pop music. They did not mean doing well in school. They meant literal golden idols. <laughs> mm-hmm. I imagine that's kind of the way that you were raised
2: as well because that's like very clear to Jews where it's like you just don't take in false images of things that are supposed to be gods. Like you wouldn't have a Buddha sculpture in your home and be like, oh, this is here for a well, or whatever.
1: I he was, was not really I raised. I wasn't raised religious in
0: any way. Oh,
2: okay. I yeah. was like, because that seemed really clear to me being raised as a reformed Jew. That uh-huh. Like it did not refer to like anyone who was ever famous. It referred to like Literal, literal statues okay, and like, images of God. I'm glad— don't really cut it.
1: <laughs> I'm really glad that that's still—that <laughs> that hasn't been warped in Judaism the way it has in Christianity. Because I I wish that I had read this as a teenager I and mean, been like, okay, I'm clear. Like, I am not worshipping Baal. I am not worshipping Asherah. All I'm doing is, is getting straight A's. You do have
0: a photo of Molech up in your locker. Shh! But.
1: Be quiet about my molek. Like, cut in a little heart, <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh.
1: Mrs.
0: Lauren Molek. <laughs> oh
1: God. So, back to Joel. Okay. The the locust stuff is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I wrote down some some good locust quotes. Uh, Before them, the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them, a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop along like a cavalry. With a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountaintops. And also, the day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? That's clearly not about locusts, but Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, it's
2: okay. (laughs) I actually thought that the second chapter was really beautiful compared to Mm -hmm. both the first and the third. Like, it uses the most lively language, and I really just read it as kind of a treatise on mortality. Like, it's coming. That's the way that the army of locusts is described to me just sounded like the kind of onward march of mortality mm. where you're like, you're going to die. So maybe before you do that, repent.
1: Chapter three. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a great way to read it. I also think it was probably actually talking about the Babylonian exile. <laughs> I think, yeah. I th- Super <laughs> literal. <laughs> well, metaphorical, but only by one degree, right? Like- <laughs> it's,
0: it's a sp- I think it's a spiritual metaphor like that, but mm-hmm. for a whole people rather than for an individual. I think.
1: Hmm. But, like, I mean, one of the nice things about the Bible is you can interpret it however you want. Like, the reason that, like, people still read the Bible, despite the fact that it's, like, mostly just about this one political event Mm. where Babylon took over Judah, is because you can, like, take those lessons and apply them to your life. You can say that, like, it's about mortality, and that's what you can take from it. Mm -hmm. But, like, this is definitely... The metaphors that we've seen that are explicitly referring to Babylon. Like, yeah, it I also, would be
0: interesting to read this in isolation after having read all of this stuff. Like we've just read so much prophecy about yeah, the Babylon We've, and exile. we've oh, read yeah. like 10
1: different versions of this.
2: I haven't read any of that. <laughs> it was probably made
1: abundantly clear by the way that I read this. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the way that you're reading it is really beautiful and good. Yes. And like an argument Thanks. in favor of the Bible. Yeah. Because the way I'm reading it is like, yeah okay, we know Babylon (laughs) took over. Like you don't have to keep telling me. Right.
2: But that's so funny. Yeah. I just, without knowing, without any context, the second chapter is actually just really like kind of beautiful the Uh way that like, I don't know if either of you guys have read the secret history, but they talk about this idea that the moments of violence and terror, are often the most beautiful because they remind you of your own mortality and being aware of the brevity of your own life is a really beautiful Mm. transcendent moment. And the second chapter definitely took me to that place, whereas Mm -hmm. the first chapter seemed like a sad, drunk person who just needed to (laughs) hush. (laughs) And then the third one was, well, we'll get into that. But
1: Another thing like along those lines that I wrote down is this verse, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Okay, that's obviously not true. But then it says, (laughs) who knows? He may turn and have pity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like- who knows, is not like a great attitude to hang your whole theology on. But mm. I also feel like it's honest. That's true. You know, because in real life, when you're stumbling around, it is kind of like, well, who knows? Maybe God will have pity on you. Maybe he won't. Like things might turn out well for you. They might not. And you don't really have any control over it.
2: I think that's a much easier promise to keep, too, as a book that's meant to. Like, that's true. Know, how-
1: <laughs> like, what God is capable of, like, who knows? Yeah, if you're, like, prophesying about the future, who knows is a pretty safe bet. Yeah,
2: Yeah, and the idea, too, if you think of the Bible just as, like, a book of promises where it's, like, here's what we're telling you, like, this is what life means, this is, you know, what's coming for you afterward. Mm -hmm. Making lots of provisions for, like, shit's still going to happen in your life and Mm -hmm. your life is still probably going to be a hot pile of garbage (laughs) is probably a really good plan for, Mm -hmm. like, just on the author's side where it's, like, let's let's make sure that we've covered most of humanity.
0: It improves the wisdom portfolio of the book. Yeah. You know? Just be like, hey, there's some wiggle room built in here. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. Past performance is no indication mm-hmm. of future gains.
1: So, should we take a break? Yes. Alright, uh, you're gonna hear some music, and then we'll be back in a bit. Okay, bye-bye! Bye. <laughs>
0: back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Nico
1: and I'm Lauren,
0: and we're here with Maggie Takuda Hall. Hi,
1: Maggie. Hi, guys. I'm still here. Oh my
2: god, I you know. didn't leave already? You <laughs> Thank you.
0: Decamped back to another continent. Here?
2: <laughs> you haven't kicked me out yet for saying "fuck" too many times. Yeah, <laughs> so no, thanks. we're
1: we're definitely pro saying "fuck" on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> So you're you're looking at the skateboard Scorpion Bible. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, give us any uh, secrets from within it? Give
0: us a little taste.
1: I can. And my favorite part about this uh, repent in
2: the middle side note that it's offered here in bright orange mm-hmm. is that it also says, "Get deeper." okay, Which is a gross penetration metaphor for a boy's Bible. Yes. Um, and it starts with when you're losing a big game and the referee is looking the other way, oh, I've been there. It's tempting to cheat. Oh. I know about sports. Yeah. Sports really help us you know kind of circumnavigate the point of this Bible portion. Cause when he's talking about all the locusts, I was pretty sure he was talking about baseball also. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I thought so too. Yeah. Locusts. Or I guess that umpire. Year.
1: That's like yeah. my favorite team is like the, the Akron Locusts. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, so it's great. It has like a a cross drawn at a jaunty angle so you know its fucking hip. Oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, Wait, it's me. got like show a me. lot.
1: See? They're oh like, my God, I had not seen that one yet. Look yeah, how that's the, that's... fucking hip this cross is. I had only seen the skateboard scorpions. And yeah. that, that cross, it is at a jaunty angle. Mm-hmm. People that's love remarkable.
2: descriptions of pictures they can't see on podcasts. And I feel like this one's like particularly this is, yeah, strong. Top of the list. Yeah. It looks like the kind of uh, crucifix you'd use to murder a vampire. Mm-hmm. So it's like an extreme cross, mm-hmm. which is
1: nice. Yeah, spelled with... Three X's. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: not where <what> you expect.
1: <laughs> I think that's the porn. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: like, Extreme Cross. The, oh, the triple X. There's parody, probably right.
1: Jesus porn, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Oh, probably. Jesus. There has to be. Because it's like so, like, people have so much shame around religion. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, it's definitely that's pretty a very important thing. Yeah. yeah. You know that definitely. the Jesus porn is like the gross porn. It must like, be.
2: Like the kind where you watch it and, like, you can't even watch it ironically with friends over a drink. Like, it's just like,
1: ooh, no. I I can't watch any porn because I was raised Christian. So
2: <laughs> you've never had like an ironic porn thing I'm, happening I, at a
1: party, I, like when that <laughs> happens, I'm like, oh, this I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed. I'll, I'll look away. <laughs> You're like I have to step away. Yeah, I can't even imagine how you'd react to the Jesus porn. Then no, I, it would be like. You know I think it like would feet. like send me into <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, right? Probably just washing each yeah. other's feet. You know that lasciviously. Feet, you know that feet in the Old Testament is a euphemism for dicks. Shut the fuck that's up. True. That's
0: true. And that's something that they guys, had to know as well. Yes. They had to know that. Yes.
2: We're done here. We've learned everything we have to learn <laughs> in the Bible. Feet dicks. Everyone can go home.
0: <laughs> Locusts win the pennant.
2: <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> A lot of the Bible is pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't scare me with dick talk, but that's disgusting. <laughs> That's just the worst. So tell us about this uh, baseball cross. Well, it talks about baseball the cross. different situations that could come up for a young man, like somebody trying to sell you a CD that's <gasps> probably stolen. No. But you're like, maybe I want you it. You just
0: say, I don't like hip hop, sir. Thank you.
2: <laughs> that's the devil's music. Um, even when you're right in the middle of messing up, you can say sorry and ask God to get you out of your mess. But my favorite. <laughs> he may or may not listen. Who knows? Who knows? Uh <laughs> God's forgiveness will help you, will give you the spiritual muscles to help you the next time around. And I like that they situate it in muscles because mm-hmm. like as a young man, I know that that's how I understand the world right. is like in terms of gains.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm.
2: And I feel like this book Cross is just, Yeah, it's helping me for- It's like spiritual for, CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. Like, my spiritual gains. <laughs>
0: like do you even lift, bro? But spiritually.
2: Yeah. Do you even lift Bibles, bro? Yeah. No.
0: <laughs> Have you even been lift up, bro?
2: <laughs> oh, that's awful.
0: You see, do you notice that spot on the gym where there's only one pool of sweat? That's when I was spotting you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was good, baby. Oh, God. I bet there is a CrossFit Bible, and I bet it's well, odious. It's
1: like a uh, jaunty CrossFit. Like cross. Oh. Crucif- crucif- Crucifit.
0: Crucifit. <laughs> oh. Crucifit. Do you want to make a million dollars, baby? Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's like a, you know, that there's like that startup con body. Mm-hmm. We could do crucifix. Crucifit? Yeah. And we could be like, we know all about the Bible. <laughs> we have read it for a podcast.
0: Spiritually focused, high <sighs> energy, aerobic group exercise. Yes. yes. It's like you're slamming your delts, but for God. For God. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You guys are kidding, but you know that that's basically what CrossFit is, right? Like you do it for veterans, like the big- You um, do it for veterans? <laughs> so the, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Hold on to your butts. This is about to get weird and CrossFit. <laughs> um They have what are called hero workouts of the day, hero wads, um, that hero, are named- oh, workout, workout
1: of the of day, the day. Wad. Okay, yeah. hero wads, wads. yeah. Right. Okay, that okay. Seems So a we're lot, already
2: in the territory already, of like- We're already like
1: disrespecting our troops, but that's cool. Keep going. Yeah. Wait for it.
2: Okay. Um, they are named for veterans who have died- Oh, my God. In duty. Oh, my God. Um, and they are all just not- Not good for your body. (laughs) Like, like, all the hero wads are the ones where you're like, are you fucking crazy? Like, who would do that? They're like an hour long. You run constantly and, like, throw people over their head. You don't throw people. But you get the idea. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just bananas. So the idea of it then being, like, not for veterans but also for God, not that big of a stretch. Like, if I understand anything about America, that is not much of a stretch.
1: I mean, like, Jesus had to – well – he had to carry the cross for a while. Mm-hmm. Then someone mm-hmm. else took over. No, that him. would be like
0: the <gasps> pinnacle of the workout.
1: Yes.
0: You've seen those people high intensity, like pushing tires over in the streets yeah, that's and stuff? Like, yeah, totally. but
1: like doing the cross. But I I like mean, carrying a cross.
2: That, yeah, They call it functional fitness too, where like there are people, not necessarily CrossFit, but like where like carrying another person is like a thing. Uh-huh. Mm. But if you had to carry someone on a cross, like very functional Uh, Yeah. Faith-driven fitness. Faith-driven,
0: yeah. Faith-driven fitness. Mm -hmm. Have you ever... Let me tell you something about the faith-driven fitness industry. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) I'm just... I have some very interesting franchise opportunities (laughs) for you Mm -hmm. that, you know, we can talk about off air, you know, but it's just... It's a great way to make your ministry serve not just people's spirits, but their bodies. Mm.
2: You know, as a previous marketing professional, and not even kidding... You could probably get filthy, disgusting, rich yeah, on no, your faith-driven...
1: Anyway, back to Joel. <laughs> Chapter three of Joel. We...
0: I'm going to edit out all of that stuff that will compromise our business plan. Okay. So it's like none of this ever happened.
2: <laughs> Perfect. So this um, episode's down to like 10
1: minutes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Did you know that God's going to destroy all Israel's enemies?
0: I heard that before, actually. Yeah, he's
1: going to punish them for destroying Israel, even though he's the one who made them destroy Israel to punish Israel for worshiping idols. Yep, been there before. Um, So we've got, you know, very standard uh, apocalyptic slash messianic imagery. Uh, The day of the Lord is near in the Valley of Decision. The sun and moon will be darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion. Jerusalem will be holy.
0: Very good, very classic uh, apocalyptic Just stuff. Classic it's stuff. got it checks all the boxes, yep. but it does it in only three chapters. Can you believe how much time these other dudes were wasting? with this <laughs> That's stuff? true. If honestly. Joel does it so well Joel, in three chapters,
2: Joel is like really efficient. Joel had like Raymond Chandler's editor take yeah, a cut, totally, and then, <laughs> totally. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Um. Uh, you know, and then like the world's gonna end, uh, but then the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and then uh, everything will be cool forever.
0: Yeah, sounds good.
1: All you need
2: is milk and wine.
1: That's yeah, I keep trying to tell everyone. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. What else?
0: And for parties, you can just mix them up.
1: Just mix them up. Get some of that. (laughs) Getting
2: (laughs) sassy with some milk wine. (laughs) Oh, that sounds disgusting.
1: (laughs) That's gross. (laughs) Um, The thing is, okay, so I was like, I was thinking this was post-exilic, but Mm -hmm. it is kind of weird that, like, the Lord dwells in Zion. That's the last line of the book, and and it refers to that a couple times throughout the book. Mm -hmm. That's like a more... That's like an earlier version of God, who's more local, mm-hmm. um, who like dwells in a certain place rather than being just like omnipresent. Yeah, omnipresent and and omnipotent, everywhere, all the time at once. So I don't know. Maybe it was written. Who 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 the fuck knows? Nobody knows. Who knows? Question mark.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's very interesting literary and you know theological analysis that could point you in in different directions, but. In terms of like a consensus, I didn't read a, a really strong consensus about when this was from. And that the confusing thing about the Bible is since it's not presented in this form chronologically uh-huh. as to when they think it was written, you never know if like it's earlier and the stuff that is reminiscent of later stuff. Is there because it was earlier, yeah. or Because it was written after and references that stuff.
1: That's especially because we're reading the Christian Bible. Because like
0: God, that sentence made no sense. No,
1: but it, but like that's appropriate okay. because it doesn't make <laughs> sense. The I think the Jewish Bible is in a slightly different order, and it's like I think pays more attention to like chronology, mm-hmm. although still not like hundred percent. But especially in the Christian Bible, it's really not in order, and it's like the decisions they made are sort of inscrutable. Mm-hmm you never really know what they're what they're trying to do because mm-hmm. also like especially in the christian bible they're also trying to like
0: set things up for the second for the second act.
1: yeah and they're also trying to make it seem like prophecies are all like literal and true mm-hmm. um i mean not that i mean i'm sure that's like part of the jewish bible too if you're like really devout jewish you're supposed to believe that these things are literally prophecies but like Christianity interprets literal prophecies differently because they're all supposed to be like pointing toward Jesus. Right.
2: Yeah. I don't remember ever being raised with the notion of prophecies. We always read the stories in terms of like this actually happened. Uh-huh. Which, you know, then they say they're like, kind of. You oh, when you're yeah. reformed. They're like, This actually happened, we're telling you. Um, but it was not like, oh, this'll happen right. in the I future. Mean,
1: like, I think mostly in terms of, like, mainstream Christianity, in terms of, like, what you learn in Sunday school, it's, like, we assume this happened literally and we're going to, like, derive a moral from it and we're going to say, like, oh, this means you're supposed to, like, be brave or this means you're supposed to, like, be faithful or whatever. But um, it also, like, (laughs) it also is supposed to point toward Jesus always. So. Who doesn't like pointing toward Jesus, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually – um. I had a quote that I wanted to read from from this book, How to Read the Bible, by James L. Kugel, that I mentioned on a a previous podcast. It was recommended to me by our listener Aaron, a.k.a. at Anime Waifu (laughs) IRL. That's his Twitter handle. Um, And it was really interesting. I'll just read a small excerpt from it. Um, It says, For Jews living throughout most of the post-exilic period, history in general no longer seemed to make much sense. Earlier, it had, at least according to what scripture recounted, meaning that, like, supposedly, you know, they were punished for idolatry by having other countries take over them, Mm -hmm. but then they were, but then the southern kingdom was rewarded at the end by being restored. Um, But after that, how was one to make sense of what followed? The Persians continued to rule Judah, no new David arose, as some had hoped, and the long lost northern tribes did not return. Jews were not being rewarded or punished, but seemed to be in some indeterminate state. So, like,
0: that's called the state of life. That's yeah. What that is.
1: Yeah. So, like, we've talked about, <laughs> I mean, even a little bit in this episode, we've talked about how it's weird that, like, the Bible is about actual, literal, political events mm-hmm. and, like, trying to make sense of those theologically and trying to, like, feel some element of control over your life. Like, um, why was our nation taken over and destroyed and why were we exiled from our homeland? Well, it's because God wanted to punish us, but he'll ultimately reward us in the end. Mm-hmm. But then like after that, there's no like reward or punishment. So you have to just like make sense of a political holding pattern, mm-hmm. you know, which requires even more imagination, like more justification because like More faith. Yeah. Cuz like nothing actually means anything. Like we it's like did we Wait, nothing
0: actually means anything?
1: I mean like, well, that's true in general, but like <laughs> it's like we were we were expecting to get rewarded. So, we did get rewarded cuz we got repatriated, but like we're still under the Persian control and then and then Greek control and everything. So it's like is did did we actually fundamentally misunderstand how God works? Or Does this just mean that the apocalypse is coming and that'll sort everything out? You know, like the apocalypse suddenly comes up after the exile, Mm -hmm. like it's not in there before the exile. But then afterward, it's like, well, this would be a a way to make sense of everything. Like we are going to be rewarded in the near future because God is going to just end all civilization. He's going to sort the good people into heaven and the bad people into hell or, you know, sort of heaven and hell. Equivalence. Equivalence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, everything's just going to be set. So the universe does make sense and we're cool, even though the Greeks are taking us over right now.
0: And that apocalyptic viewpoint has sort of persisted for 2,000 years since yeah. then? Yeah.
1: It's weird, right? Like, now, Maggie, being raised
0: Jewish. Like Maggie, explain the apocalypse.
1: Maggie <laughs> was like, was the apocalypse a focus? No.
2: Yeah. No. And I always regarded that as like a very particularly Christian notion and that might have been the way that I was raised because my dad was raised conservative Jewish um, and I was raised reform Mm -hmm. and it was always made pretty clear to us that like once we were grown-ups we got to make all of our own choices Uh we were just being raised with this idea so that we would have some kind of a background Mm -hmm. Um, but it was pretty clear especially because my mom was not Jewish and refused to convert and Uh habitually told us that all organized religion was like kind of a sham. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the idea of there being like, the time is nigh, mm-hmm. uh, the apocalypse apocalypse is coming, um, was definitely something in our home and as far as my spiritual, you know...
1: Education. Education
2: went was regarded with a lot of irony and, like, eye-rolling and, like, that's just some ridiculous Christian shit. Yeah. And this is why you're not Christian.
1: Because, like, <laughs> this—I mean, that was definitely—I mean, like I said, my church wasn't super conservative. We weren't super focused on, like, Armageddon. But that's definitely a part of it. Like, yeah, definitely, like, the second coming of Jesus is always, like, in the background. Um,
0: and if, But, of course, the interesting thing is the reason the first coming of Jesus was important— was because they were looking out for a Messiah. They were right. looking out for the sign yeah. of the end times. Right. There was a there was an a, like a whole spate of apocalyptic cults based around like Messiah figures in Judaism.
1: Yes. So I've been like shocked to discover that like the past I don't know like ten Bible books that we've read mm-hmm. have all been about. The apocalypse and a messiah. Mm-hmm. I think because that's a more comforting
2: lie, ultimately. Like, right, if think of all religion as just lies that we tell
1: ourselves to comfort ourselves in the
2: darkness of the night, where we're like, what's going to happen? Right. The kind of reformed Jewish way that I was raised is not comforting at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, we don't know what will happen. You'll die. And that's a fact. What, Period. What is like not... You didn't learn anything about
1: the afterlife?
2: No, that's the thing. Is like I was raised very specifically with no idea of the afterlife and the idea that like we can't promise you anything. We can promise you that you're going to die. <laughs> we got Congratulations. that Congratulations. You're in we, second th- grade. You're going to die. Yeah. And in <laughs> fact,
0: that's why I think that the apocalypse theology is such an enduring one.
2: Exactly. It's because
0: it is in like a larger spiritual sense, a human life, you know, that like mm-hmm. a human life comes to an end after which there's judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like – the entire world will come to an end. It's like, it's it's a scale that we understand that's like, yeah, the apocalypse is coming because everybody's going to die one day.
2: Everybody's, everybody's
1: individual world will
2: end. Yes. Yeah. And it's a very self centered one, too. I think there is something kind of comforting to know, like, well, I'm going to end, but so's the whole yes. world. There's right. so Here's a the thing that I and the whole world have in common. Yeah. It's just,
0: it's all about the fear of missing out, you know? <laughs> Trying to, try to avoid FOMO. <laughs>
2: There's actually like a chapter on that, not yeah. in Joel, but I hear later mm-hmm. the FOMO. I hear prophet. that. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that too. Yeah, the book of uh... the book of like pending Facebook invitations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually do remember being a kid and feeling like there was something appealing about Christianity, just because at least I had the potential of going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like a pretty good promise and your Christian friends would be like, heaven is where like it's ice cream all the time and everyone who has ever loved you will be there and you're like, that sounds great. But also the flip side is like,
1: my experience of being Christian was like, I'm going to go to hell. What if I go to hell?
2: Well, see, that's the thing. That's why I think that Christianity is so well poised for proselytizing, but not so well poised for enduring faith. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where, like It's a really convincing thing to tell other people are like, listen. You just confess your sins and then you're forgiven. And then you have the potential to go to heaven where everything's amazing all the time. And you're like, yes, give me some of that good num-nums. That all sounds <laughs> fantastic. And then you get there and they're like crippling shame yes. comes with this because you're a constant disaster yes. and you are born in sin. And you're like, oh, this isn't as good as I thought. But now I'm here and I want that heaven. so
0: <laughs> I was uh, I was promised good num-nums. <laughs>
2: Like, I can see why Christianity did really well in terms of, like, getting new people Uh where Judaism does not, A, because it's not a Jewish idea to proselytize Mm. at all, right? but also because it doesn't give a lot of easy answers. Mm -hmm. Like, it's supposed to be something you constantly interrogate and, like, make new decisions about, which is not a good way to get new members. I mean,
1: like, some some sort of circles of Christianity have room for, like, interrogating, Mm -hmm. but... That's not the mainstream experience of Christianity. It's like you're not supposed to ask questions. And also you're supposed to like think about hell all the time every day. That sounds so
2: exhausting.
1: It is, especially for a child. Yeah. You know, like when I was like eight years old, I have like my diaries from when I was 10 years old. Oh, no. And it's like I was I read them a while back. And in there, at 10 years old, I'm like, oh, well, my friend, like, one of my close friends at the time was Jewish, and I was like, um, like, I'm really praying to God that she converts because I don't want her to go to hell. And, like, that's I, such a fucked up thing to teach a little kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I agree. It is. It's like, <laughs> especially because it doesn't really exist, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, you're just telling children this horrifying fiction that, like... Scars them for life. And it's not even true.
2: Okay. In defense of Christianity, Uh from the perspective of a Jew, Uh (laughs) um, when you talk to people who have just come from, like, incredibly unfair circumstance and destitution Mm -hmm. and poverty, I do meet people where you're like, wow, this is why Christianity is valuable because yeah. it gave you something bigger than yourself to believe in. And yeah. that kind of sureness and something like heaven is a much more useful lie when you're genuinely concerned for your survival. I think that's true. And I do. So like I make, f- I've been making fun, but I also do see very much like, especially now traveling through um, South America where like Christianity and Catholicism mm-hmm. are such a big part of everyday culture. Mm-hmm. There are really beautiful things about those lies, <laughs> yeah. That are very comforting. Yeah, the like, churches,
0: the music, all things, all beautiful things about Catholicism.
2: One um, well, community well, I know. I'm sorry. outside I was, of yourself yeah, in the face of incredible dissipation <laughs> is like that's real. It is good to know, like, to feel like there's something beyond you. I think clearly, we are all coming from this place of sort of like ironic regard for all of this, which I think belies a certain background of
1: comfort. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and I think that something that I I don't really have in my life is community. I mean, I didn't have it as a Christian either because yeah. I felt constantly shamed and judged. Um,
2: Which it sounds like you were. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Which
1: I think is like, you know, like uh, common to a lot of Christian churches, but not all yeah. of them. Um but that is something like I don't really feel a strong sense of community, and I might benefit from that in some context you know yeah
0: yeah I for just... example like a fitness focused context maybe
1: mm, yes if I were strengthening both my physical and spiritual muscles at the same time mm-hmm. you guys we're gonna be so rich
2: I don't <laughs> think you guys are ready for this but we're about to be like Peter Thiel rich then we won't even
0: need religion yeah <laughs> we'll buy our own communities
2: we'll be like those weird like I don't know enough about this and I'm gonna sound like such an idiot oh, but like that... prosperity gospel stuff yes yeah prosperity like gospel. Joel
1: Osteen book of joel book of Joel. we're bringing it all around
0: (laughs) yeah we're good podcasters
1: (laughs) nailed it on the structure you guys
0: (laughs) yeah let's wrap this thing up it's time to judge this book
1: judge this book okay uh i need to think i (laughs) I
0: usually call it rate this book i don't know why i got a little intense like
1: we're feeling a little judgy right now
0: (laughs) how would you rate this book
2: i would give it three out of five sackcloths for a minister wow um for the poetry of the second chapter, but uh-huh. minus one sackcloth for the sad sack drunk opening chapter, <laughs> mm-hmm. and minus one sackcloth for all the apocalypse nonsense in the third chapter. Mm. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's a good that's a good score. I that was ready for this. <laughs> uh, Nico, what would you rate this book?
0: I'm going to give this book 10 out of 13 hopping locusts. Okay. <laughs> for many of the same reasons. I like the poetry a lot. Actually- um, I really, really love this book because it presents a lot of the same ideas we've read, um, except condensed much, much better uh-huh. than some of the other stuff we read. And like, you really, you really feel the impact of it, I think when it's it presented in a, in a compact format, mm. you know, I like, I like it short, I like it sweet uh huh, and I like it to like end. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, besides that it it does retread a lot of the same apocalyptic mm-hmm. stuff we've we've heard before mm-hmm. but overall it's it's fertile ground for for metaphor both uh, uh, you know of a personal spiritual nature and of a, like sort of a larger scale theological nature mm-hmm. so pretty good marks 10 out of 13 hopping locusts all
1: right i'm going to give it like 5 out of 9 who knows is okay <laughs> uh <laughs> I, it's just I mean, like, if I had just read this in isolation, mm-hmm. I might be more into it. I do definitely appreciate that it's short. I mean, definitely. But also, like, it's not really offering anything new <laughs> except for, like, a, a locust metaphor. And the locust metaphor is great, but, like, it doesn't count for that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the who knows bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, I know. The day of the Lord is approaching. We're all going to be judged whenever I know.
0: Mm-hmm. Maggie, where can people find you online and in print?
1: And Ah. in podcast. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Oh, my God. This is weird because I have, like, so many different things happening just this week. The rest of my life is really boring. It's just (laughs) this week.
0: Yeah, yeah. the rest of your life you're just driving across South America. In a forerunner, figuring out where to poop. Yeah.
2: It's true. I do spend most of my life just trying to figure out where to poop. Um, If you want to hear about my never-ending quest of places to poop, safely and with toilets ideally. Uh Uh, You can listen to my podcast Let's Not Panic um, and you can see our pictures from our travels at Let's Not Panic on Instagram. It's real good. Um, If you wanted to see writing I had done that was less vulgar and less insulting to both Jews and Christians (laughs) um, you can check out my children's book Also an Octopus which is meant to be a primer for giving kids the basic building blocks of narrative so that they can start telling their own stories.
0: But it's strangely harsh on Hindus.
2: (laughs) You know, I can't, I just can't hide no, look, how hey. hateful I am. It's okay. It's, <laughs> okay. Just, it's so deep in me. Yeah. It's just so much hate. I understand. Um, for you just, people who are not like me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, like the other, right. yeah, the other, like doesn't matter. Who likes the other? No, no one. one. No one. Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: God. This if is, I'm going to have this, this is jokes. This is jokes. <laughs> also an octopus is a very nice book for children.
2: <laughs> it's appropriate for ages 4 to 8 and there's <laughs> no hate in it, I promise. Um and you can find my grown-up writing on prettyokmaggie.com. And that includes Does that include any of your uh erotic fanfiction? It doesn't anymore. Mm. Um I had a freak out about a week bef- about a week ago um that Though I am deeply obscure in children's Uh literature, it would still be inappropriate for a well-meaning, nice Christian first grade teacher to Uh accidentally Uh stumble upon something that was just like chock full of (laughs) dick jokes when all she wanted was like a guide. to was a nice octopus book. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just not fair. That's a little bit of a bait and switch. But Mm -hmm. you
1: are in the anthology Loose Lips. It's true. Which is uh, a collection of stories from shipwreck. You're in it as well. I'm not in it. Just kidding. I didn't make the cut. What? I know. It's okay. I still think mine was you're actually. Fantastic. I think mine was like too gross. <laughs> mine was very gross.
2: I feel like you should publish it in conjunction with this episode. Yeah, maybe so people can like embrace the hate. Everyone can read about really my my
1: Twilight fan fiction that involves vampires like eating ass with hemorrhoids. <laughs> I forgot about the hemorrhoids.
2: <laughs>
1: that was a really good shipwreck, though. Um, the Twilight Mom, one. Mom, turn this episode off right now. No, you mean
0: turn this episode off 30 seconds ago.
1: To go back in time, please.
2: You need one of those, like, men in black. like <laughs> Yes, just, I need the... Yeah.
1: All right. Um, but, yeah, loose lips. Mm-hmm. Um, shipwreck, satirical, erotic fan fiction. Mm-hmm. It's great.
0: You can find us on Twitter, at Sunschooldrop.
1: Um, we're also on Facebook. It's the same URL, or you can just search for Sunday School Dropouts. You can find our website at Lol. That's sundayschooldropouts.lol. And you can contact us there. Contact at Lol.
0: You can follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill.
1: You can't follow Nico on Twitter because he doesn't have one yet. That's right. Let's all peer pressure Nico into getting Twitter. But if we get 100 iTunes reviews... Well, ratings or reviews? Nico has promised
0: reviews. Reviews. A
1: hundred reviews. That's what. Yeah. Those were the rules. Okay, we have like twenty-two reviews right now. Mm -hmm. If we get to a hundred, Nico will join Twitter. I will,
0: and I'll engage with, you know, the world, the the fans, uh, the Twitterverse, the alt right. Oh. Um. Everything I hear about on the news. Okay. And I'm so excited to learn more about.
1: Oh no. The discourse. Well, everyone, let's not, let's protect Nico from Twitter. Let's preserve his innocence. Um, but thank you so much, Nico, for all of our sound engineering, music, and editing.
0: You're welcome. And thank you to Elise Carlton for our art and our logo.
1: It's the best part of the podcast. Let's mm-hmm. be real. Uh, and uh,
0: thank you again to Maggie for being on the show today.
1: Yes. Making
0: yeah. time out of her busy schedule to come be with us in a very hot room. Yeah. <laughs> While jets fly overhead.
1: And um, check out her podcast, Let's Not Panic.
0: Yep. Otherwise, we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.